scripture reading today comes from Acts 17, verses 10 through 15. Again, that's Acts chapter 17, verses 10 through 15. And the word of God reads, The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining its scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing, as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. This is the word of the Lord to us. Amen. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 3, Paul writes to the church in Colossae, and he says, pray for us. Pray for us that God may open us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. Pray for us, he says, that God might open a door. This, I believe, is is a very interesting request for a prayer. And yet, beloved, it is the prayer of every minister of the gospel. That God would, in his sovereign mercy and grace, open a door for the word. In fact, this should be the prayer of every Christian. You should wake up in the morning and pray, Lord, open a door for the word that I might proclaim the glories of Christ to someone today. Open a door. For the word. This is language that Paul used frequently when it came to the work of the ministry. In Acts chapter 14 and 27, as we saw when we were in that portion, when Paul and Barnabas arrived back from their first missionary trip, the Bible says when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared, all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith. An open door. All Paul ever desired. Just open the door, Lord. I'll walk through it. Just open the door. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 9. He's writing to the Corinthians about coming to see them. And he says, but I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost for a wide door for effective service has been opened to me. Wide door, Paul said. And I'm going to stay in Ephesus at least until Pentecost. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12, he says, when I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though an open, a door was open for me 
in the Lord. Because that, beloved, is, was always Paul's desire. That was always his delight. That God would open a door for the word of God that he might proclaim the mysteries of Christ. I'm convinced this morning that if ever this prayer was answered for the Apostle Paul, it was when he and Silas went to Berea. You want to talk about an open door. Acts chapter 17. I am convinced that when Paul and Silas had gotten to Berea or was on the way, they were probably wondering to some degree, why were they in Berea? I mean, to some degree, Berea was this little town. It was, it was out of the way. It was probably not on the original plans for the missionary trip. And even if it was on the plans, beloved, it was not on the plans at the time. But Paul and Silas had intended to stay in Thessalonica a little while. The gospel had taken root. There was the beginnings of a church. And what happened, as we saw last time? They had to leave Thessalonica sooner than they had anticipated. And having been run out of Thessalonica, they they hit the road fast and hard, and they make the two-and-a-half-day, about 50-mile trip to Berea. Berea. Can any good thing come out of Berea? We know about Philippi. The Bible says it was a great city. We know about Thessalonica. It was the capital of Macedonia. Berea? It's like East Point. You know how it is. You go out of town, people say, where are you from? I'm from Atlanta. No, you're not. You're from East Point. Don't tell the truth. They had to leave Thessalonica and no doubt was wondering why, why, why weren't we able to to not just plant the seeds, but why weren't we able to water those seeds? Why weren't we able to see some of the fruit from the seeds that were planted in Water. Why were we not able to watch the Lord give some increase? But God had other plans, beloved. God had other plans because God had another door for Paul. And that door was going to be opened up in Berea if Paul would just keep trusting, keep moving, and keep serving. Here's just a side note, I think, uh, for us as, as Christians. I think we should always remember that God's plan is what we want and not our own. 
And a lot of times I find that when disappointment sets in because our plan doesn't work out the way that we want it to work out, we stop moving. We stop trusting. Because a door is closed, because things don't go the way we want them to go, because we are forced out of a situation that we thought was a great one and possibly into a situation that's not so great, we stop trusting, we stop moving, we stop serving. You got to understand Proverbs 16 and 9 says, the heart of a man plans his way, but it's the Lord that establishes his steps. And God often has another door, a better plan. And you won't believe the opportunities for the gospel that waits through it unless you keep moving and keep trusting and keep believing and keep serving. And Paul could not have known what awaited them in Berea. Had no idea. They had been rushed out of Thessalonica. And they arrive at this little known town. And what do they do there, beloved? Well, they sat around and they complained. That they were ran out of Thessalonica before their time was through. No. They gather a group of people around them and they say, let me tell you what happened to me. I can't believe this happened to me. I was serving the Lord and I was faithful and this is what happened to me. Can you believe it? No. That's what we do. But that's not what Paul did. When Paul gets to Berea, they don't mope, they don't complain, they get on with the ministry. And what do they do? They do what they always do. They went to the synagogue. Disappointment, frustration, move beyond it. There's ministry that has ministry that needs to, to take place. Let's keep trusting. Let's keep serving. Let's see what God is going to do. He has moved us from this place to this place. Let's continue doing what He's called us to do. Let's go to the synagogue. Let's keep preaching. Let's keep serving. And what do they find when they get to the synagogue? is that God has gone before them. And in Berea, of all places, they experience a ministry like they have never had before. They walk into the synagogue, and there are men and women gathered there with open minds. There are men and women gathered there that God is going to open hearts. He's going to open eyes because he has provided this open door. 
open minds. You see what the text says? The Jews in Berea were different than the ones in Thessalonica. Notice how the Bible describes them in verse 11. Now these were more noble than those in Thessalonica. More noble. The idea doesn't mean they were better born. As you think of noble, you might think, oh, they belong to royal families. No, it wasn't that they were better born, that they were in a higher class of society. It means that they had open minds. That their minds were open to learning. That, 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 that they were there and they were studying the word of God and they were ready to listen. They were willing to learn. Because those in Thessalonica, they were intellectually hostile to the truth. But these here, beloved, rather than being hostile and and being contradictory in their opinions, the Bible says here that they receive the word. They receive the word. Or they welcome the preaching of the word. There was no intellectual hostility. There was no intellectual dishonesty. Now, it doesn't mean that they believed what they heard, but it meant that they welcomed the conversation. Let's open our Bibles and talk about it. That's all the Christian ever wants to do, because the Christian is convinced that we have the truth. The Christian is convinced that we're going to win the day if you just allow for the conversation. Can you imagine when Paul gets in there And they want to have the conversation. Paul said, game over. (laughs) This is over. They received the word. And notice how they receive it. Know how it describes them. It says, with all eagerness. There was a great eagerness to what they were doing. They were ready to understand. It was, a, it was not a passive receiving, but it was an active, kind of an enthusiastic learning. They wanted to know. This is because they understood that they didn't know it all. And were willing to hear from others. Isn't that what James says? James chapter 1, verse 19. Be quick to hear. Slow to speak. Someone has rightly said, when you are talking, all you learn is what you already know. Be slow to speak. Be quick. Quick to listen. And this listening that they had, beloved, is a, is a reminder to us of the need to humble ourselves before the word of God proclaimed. They humbled themselves. And they were willing to receive the word of the Lord. They didn't, they didn't sit back there, part of the, I already know that. Oh, I heard that already. Well, perhaps the Lord wants you to hear it again. 
rather than be dismissive, rather than thinking that you know it all, listen again and again. Be eager to receive the word proclaimed. That's what these Bereans were. They were eager. And, and, and beloved, I can only imagine the excitement of Paul and Silas, as, what they experienced as they stood in the synagogue and began to preach that gospel. Because you got to know that they were going in there expecting hostility. They were going in there expecting a fight. Because this is what they had received everywhere they had went. They were expecting the contradictions. And can you imagine the excitement as Paul and Silas stood in the synagogue and began to teach of the glories of Christ and the eyes are opening to what they're saying and people are receptive to the message? I understand exactly what they were experiencing. Because, beloved, there are some places are easier to preach than others. I've been there. Some places it's easier to preach because they are used to reading their Bibles. And when you turn to a passage of Scripture, it's not totally foreign to them. They have some sense of what the Bible is for. It's easier to to preach in those places because they're engaged. You can see it on their faces. You can see it in their body languages, Pastor Phil. Their eyes are not drooping. Because they were out all last night and up all last night. They know how to give a hearty amen at the right time, Sister Mary. (laughs) You get the sense that they're engaged with you. You can see the hunger in their eyes for the word of God. They're not dismissive. They don't have their heads down looking at their social media on their phones. But there is a word from the Lord being proclaimed to them and they're saying, give it to me. This is important. I need this. This is what Paul and Silas, they walk into that synagogue. And here are people. God has gone before them, opened this door, and they received the word. They wanted the word, beloved, because they understood it meant it meant something to them. That's what Peter tells us in First Peter chapter, chapter two and verse two. Like newborn infants, long, long for the pure spiritual milk, long for the pure milk of the word, that by it you may grow up in salvation. This this week we went to visit. Um, um, 
Pasquale and, and Sharon. And while we were there, Sharon took little PJ and she began to feed him. She got a bottle out and she began to feed him. And I'm looking at him eating. I said, there's a sermon illustration right there. He couldn't get enough of that bottle. And he was just sucking and sucking and sucking and sucking. And if you've ever been around a baby who is hungry, they will suck that bottle until there's nothing in it, and they will keep sucking on it. Is that you, beloved? The Bible says, born babe. Do you desire the pure milk of the word that even when it's done and over, you're saying, no. I need some more of that. That's what the Bible says. Like a newborn baby. Desire. Desire. The pure milk of the word. So that is not only how you get saved. That's how you grow up. In your faith. Not only did they receive the word, beloved, but notice what it says also. It says they examined the word. How about that? They examined the word. They tested tested the word. Preach by the written word. Notice what it says. Examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. They were testing the preached word by the written word. They were in the scriptures trying to figure out if what Paul and Silas was saying was true. Every day, every day, every day. They didn't believe it just because Paul said it. They don't know who Paul is. They ain't going to believe it just because you say it, Josh. Don't you believe it just because I say it. But they searched the scriptures. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 21, the Bible says, test everything. Test everything and hold to that which is good. But you test everything. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. You don't believe everything you hear, you test it. And this is what we all are called to do. You don't believe it just because somebody on TV said it. You know why they're on TV? You know why they're on TV? They're on TV because somebody has convinced them that they are very persuasive. And even when they are wrong, they sound right. Just because they're on TV, don't you believe it? Just because they write books, don't you believe it? Remember, if God said it, it's going to be confirmed in his word. If God said it, it's going to be confirmed in his word. Beloved, if I am anywhere and the preacher gets up and says, well, God told me I got one foot out the door. 
And the next time he says, God told me, I'm starting the car. Because I don't mind, beloved, don't get me wrong, we all got opinions. And I don't mind listening to your opinions because some opinions are good. Some opinions are worth listening to. And I don't mind listening to opinions. But the moment you say, God said, you need Bible for that. You need Bible for that. So it was. They were searching the scripture. This reminds us, doesn't it, that the Christian must not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and teaching that comes along. But growing up in the faith, they are searching the scriptures. And in them, they are finding the truth. Namely, Jesus Christ. And this is important to understand. Because you can search the scriptures and find a lot of things. But if those scriptures don't lead you to Jesus, you haven't found the thing. And people get in the scriptures searching for a lot of things. And they get in the scriptures and they search for financial freedom. They search for how to raise kids. They search for how to be a, a better wife and a better husband. They search the scriptures on how to find spouses. They search the scriptures on what jobs to get. Beloved, all that searching is fine. But if that searching doesn't lead you to Christ, you have not found the truth. If the Bible says anything about parenting, it points those parents to Jesus. If it says anything about finances, it's pointing your finances to Christ. It says anything about finding a spouse or living with one, it points you to Christ to discover that truth. And if all you ever do it's find those facts, but never arrive at Christ. Then you have searched the scriptures in vain because you have not found the truth. For the truth always, always is grounded in Christ. They search the scriptures every day to find out if what Paul and Silas were saying was true. What was Paul and Silas saying? What they always said. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah of God. He has come. He has died. He is raised again. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Let's go to Genesis. They searched the scriptures to see if it was true. They had open minds. And you know what happened? Because those search the scriptures, the Bible says, therefore, therefore, therefore what? Therefore, many of them believed. Many of them believed. Not only did the Bereans have open minds, but by the mercy of God, some of those open minds 
You got open eyes. Some of those open minds also receive open eyes. The wonderful thing, beloved, is that having searched the scriptures and finding that these open minds they had, Paul and Silas was found to be true. And God opened the eyes of their hearts and they believed. That word that they received into their minds now suddenly became, as James says, an implanted word in their hearts. You can get a lot of information poured into your mind, but it doesn't make a difference until it reaches the heart. God opened their hearts so that the word that they received took root in their soul. And at this point, beloved, it was not just intellectual assent. They were not just impressed with Paul and Silas. But now they had come to know Jesus. Their hearts were open. Their hearts were open. Like the disciples on the road, on, on the road to Emmaus. When they said that when he was opening the scriptures to us, did not our hearts burn within us in Luke 24? So it was, I am sure, as Paul and Silas was opening those scriptures, there were men and women in there whose hearts burned within them. Because they were hearing for the first time the truth of God in the scriptures, pointing them to Christ. Like Lydia in Acts chapter 16 and verse 14, God opened their hearts so they could believe what Paul and Silas was preaching. The eyes of their heart, beloved, was enlightened. No doubt, no doubt. No doubt the Bereans were excited. I can't, can you imagine just what's going on in that synagogue? I mean, these Bereans are excited because this is the joy of discovering truth. There is a joy in that because you experience the work of Holy Spirit in your life and it fills you with joy. You know, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. You know what the work of the Holy Spirit is? The work of the Spirit of God is in conjunction with the Word of God to reveal to the people of God the great truths and glories of the Son of God. That's what Holy Spirit does. through the word, reveals in God's people the truth about Christ. And this is the truth that you have been longing for. And the joy of discovery 
It could be overwhelming. When, when Jesus in Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus comes to his disciples, and particularly Peter, he says, and he asks the disciples, who do, you say, who do people say that I am? Then he comes to Peter, and he says, but Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And what does Jesus say? Simon Barjona, flesh and blood, did not reveal that to you. But that is the work of the Spirit of God to reveal in the people of God, according to the Word of God, the glories of the Son of God. That is what happens, beloved. I, I recall vividly to this day where I was and how I felt that moment when I came to understand by the Spirit of God the electing sovereign mercy of God given to us in Romans chapter 9. Beloved, it changed my life. Tears flowed. I called a friend on the phone. I said, man, do you understand? And I said, I know you probably do. I'm late. Forgive me. <laughs> but just bear with me. God has elected me apart from anything that I could do. Before I was born, he chose me to set his affections upon me. He who has mercy on whom he would have mercy, he who chooses to hearten, whoever he chooses to hearten, has chosen to have mercy on me. Flesh and blood did not reveal that to me. It was the Spirit of God using the Word of God to show me the glories of the Son of God. And there was joy in my heart. And there still is. This, this, beloved, is what the Spirit of God does. And beloved, you know, I was, I was like a kid at Christmas. And every time I read a verse, it was like another present with my name on it. And I just couldn't get enough. But you know, this is not only the joy of a student. This is the joy of a teacher. Can you imagine? Paul and Silas. Those of you who are teachers here, I think you get a sense of when you come into that classroom and you see a child who is hungry to learn and their eyes light up. Because of the truth that you are giving to them. And you just want to pour more and more and more into them. Can you imagine not only the joy of the Bereans, but the joy of Paul and Silas after Thessalonica? Oh, joy filled the whole place. Do you know this is the delight of God? 
God delights to show us great things in his word. That's the promise, Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3, I do believe. He says that he will delight to show you great and wonderful things to all those who call upon him. That is his delight, beloved. You get in the word, you spend time in the word, And that joy that you experience from that discovery is a joy that is in God the Father. He delights to teach you, to show you those great things. That's why Isaiah 55, God says, call upon me. Seek me while I am near. Call upon me. And I will show you great and marvelous things concerning me. That is his delight, beloved. That is his delight. And there it was in Berea, of all places. Opened minds, opened eyes. And what Paul and Silas realized, wow. In Berea, God had opened a door. Who could have ever, ever thought that would happen? God had opened a door. And when the Jews in Thessalonica, the Bible says, when they heard what was going on, they made the two and a half day, 50 mile trek to Berea to track down Paul and Silas and put an end to it, but they too late. They are too late. God had already poured out his spirit. God had already opened the door to the gospel, and they were too late to close it. It was done. The church in Berea was open. And notice here that like the gospel, it was open to all. This is amazing. This is amazing. Notice the statement here where it says, Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. There's a a lot in that statement right there. There's a lot in that statement. But this is not the first time as Luke is is telling and recording these events that he makes a point to tell us who are these people who are coming to faith and to emphasize for us that there are some women in here. There are Gentiles and there are women. And there are some people of high standing. Because when the doors of the church are open, beloved, when the doors truly are open, they are open to all. And so you see here in Berea, there were some Jews because there was a synagogue. Couldn't be a synagogue without Jews. There were some Gentiles. There were Jews and Gentiles. They were men and women. There was rich and poor. Men, women, Jews, Gentiles, rich and and poor. All, 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 
all. Because the grace of God abounds to all. Our lines of discrimination may exist. But in the kingdom of God, this is what Luke is reminding us again and again. In the kingdom of God, there are no lines. In the church of God, there must not be any lines. Why? Because at the cross, we all stand on level ground. And this is why Paul could write in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ. True door. True open door. Open to all. And that's how you know, beloved, that God has opened. church in Berea was an open door and all who believed walked through it. Paul and Silas, they had no way of knowing what God had in store for them when they went to Berea. And here's an interesting thing. This little bitty town out the way Nobody paid much attention to them. In fact, we make much more out of the other cities still. Because Paul wrote a letter to Philippi. He wrote a letter to Thessalonica. He wrote letters to Corinth. He wrote letters to Colossae. And so we make big deal out of Philippians. We make big deal out of the Corinthians and the Ephesians and the Colossians. There is no letter to the Bereans. You know what? Today, people name their churches Berean Baptist, Berean Christian. Today, people name their schools Berean Christian schools. People open Bible studies and call those Bible studies the Berean Christians. Christians are called Bereans to this day. And who are those Christians? Those Christians are those who are known for searching the scriptures, examining the scriptures, and looking into the scriptures, faithfully seeking to find great and wonderful things concerning Christ. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Nobody wants to be called a Corinthian Christian. And Corinth has two letters. Everybody should want to be called a Berean Christian. And they got no letter. What an amazing door the Lord opened up in Berea. door of the church is open. You know, when I was a, isn't that right? BJ, you know what I'm talking about. When I was a little boy, don't laugh, Al. There's some good in that. When I was a little boy, Sister Mary, 
at the end of every sermon, the pastor would say, the doors of the church are open. They still say that, by the way. The doors of the church would open and they would take a seat. Put it right down front. And somebody would begin to play. And the doors of the church would be open. And you could come by letter, (laughs) confession of faith, or baptism. However, you just had to come. And all were welcome to come. And if one came, they put out another chair. Well, beloved, I understood what they were doing and I understand what they do, but we understand that the doors of the church are always open. I don't open the doors of the church and I don't close the doors of the church. The doors of the church are always open and that is because Jesus himself said, I am door and all who come unto him he will in no wise cast out and just like at Berea in that little out of the way town in East Point in this little forgotten town the doors of the church are open they are open this morning And there's anyone here this morning who needs to know the Jesus that we sing. Who needs to come and understand the Jesus that we proclaim. Who this morning has not only had your mind open, but your heart has been opened as you heard the things of Christ. This morning, pardon the expression, but the door of the church is open again. Jesus is here. And he welcomes you. Come. Come unto me, he says, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come. Repent of your sins, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Come. Come. As the preacher said, there's always room for one more. You can come. We're going to pray. There's anyone here who needs to know Jesus and the pardon of your sin. If you are not confident that you belong to Christ and this Christ is yours, now is the time to bow your head, confess your sins, and know according to his word that he will save you, redeem you, forgive you of all your sins, and regardless of what anybody else says, claim you as his own. Right now, right now, door is open. Let's pray.